All right, what's up, guys? It's the Cymatic Show, and we have Vendetta. I was asking him. I didn't know if it was Vendetta or Vendetta. You know what? We're not even particular about that. Yeah. Everybody asks that, and it's like, is it Vendetta? Is it Vendetta? Is it Vendetta? Like, it's... It's we say vendetta, but everybody else like. But you know, data is naturally like something that. Right, it's a debatable yeah, thing. That's what I was like, uh. It's like, are you British? Are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, are you American? Okay, how do you want to say it? Tomato, tomato. Like, do people come to these shows and say like different stuff? Yeah, yeah. But we like we're, we don't trip. Yeah, it's all yeah, good. It doesn't no. matter. At least you don't have like the uh, dead mouth situation. Dead mall five. You know what I'm saying? Yo, yeah, low key though. A long time ago, <laughs> I made that error. <laughs> Dead Mouth Five. When I first heard about him, like I was like, "Oh yeah, Dead Mouth Five, like Facts of Berlin, like that." Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, dude, that was. Nah, nah. <laughs> That's always like that moment, like, oh, you're not a real Dead Mouth fan or somebody. You know yeah. what I'm saying? This was early though. This is like 2000, 2007. So. It was way back. Yeah, way, way back. back in the day. But yeah. Yeah. But, Cool. So uh, I guess you want to go a little bit just into a quick backstory so the Semax community can know how you guys kind of got together and got to production a little bit. Yeah. Um, Probably goes way back. We don't have to. <laughs> it goes pretty back. Yeah. We, we met through like mutual friends. Yeah. Uh, he used to work with uh, one of our homies. Uh, back in, yeah. Shout out to Nick, uh, one of my, my, our best friends now. Back, uh, shoot, what, 2011, maybe, maybe no, eight, eight. That was 2007. Yeah. My memory's bad, but I worked <laughs> in Circuit City before it shut down, before it uh -huh. blew up into nothing. And I met uh, one of my good friends there, and we just linked up real nice. We were, you know, kind of filling out the dance scene at the time, and we connected over Justice, you know, Genesis, and We Are Your Friends, and that stuff. And I met him through Brandon. Tiesto, all that. Yeah, Tiesto, yeah, yeah. everybody. We didn't, yeah. First, RIP to Circuit City, because yeah, a lot of people don't know what Circuit City is. Hollywood video. <laughs> all that yeah. shit, Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah, all that, all those Brand things that went down in the recession, <laughs> like well, internet. More like Jeff Bezos took like everybody down because like dude, yeah. Amazon, like no chance. You know what I'm saying? Amazon, yeah, yeah. Netflix, Netflix came out there, shut down. There was yeah, there was some there was some huge companies that like everybody knew about, but then like they just randomly disappeared. And Toys R Us. Yeah, that's dude, a, that's sad. That's like, a big one. Yeah, that's, a, Yo, that's I, a little I, sad. I went back. Uh, they, I saw a sign. It was like, we're going out of business. I was like, dude, I can find some like Yu-Gi-Oh cards or some shit. I was like, going back there. It's fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I remember like growing up as a kid, just like Toys R Us was an adventure. Like It was. It was like, yo, you walked into there and like you would, I mean, every aisle was like. Ah. It was a land of treasure. Po yeah. Pokemon? Dude, I mean. That, yeah, they, they had a Pokemon. Pokemon. Dude, Pokemon yeah. no, I'm saying like, I remember I got Pokemon Red there and I still like. I was more of a like. Ninja Turtle, dude. Like, Ninja that's Turtle. my era. <laughs> little baby cars, maybe some Transformers. Yeah, it was crazy, yeah. man. But, um, yeah, we met. Like, uh, him, and, him and Nick lived together, and they came over to my home studio. I lived in Canola Park. You guys lived in, what, Woodland Hills? Yeah, we was out in the valley. We didn't know shit about electronic music yeah. at all. First group I listened to. We just to knew was, we liked it. Like, Daft Punk. Yeah. That was my favorite group at all time back in junior high. That came out in, like, uh, what, 98 awesome. or something. I fucking so, love that. Yeah. I mean, I love uh, Daft Punk. And that, that introduced me into dance music. And then I started getting into harder versions when I met Nick and met Brandon, which was the electro era back then. And we just used to goof off and make stuff. And then, you know, we got to, crap. got to a <laughs> It did suck at the time. <laughs> Disclaimer. But we got to a good starting point of experimenting and, you know, running the running around the underground rave scene. Like mm -hmm. East, 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 East L.A., Montbello days. 
You guys like, DJ, like DJing out there and stuff? Or? We were barely even yeah, DJing. Like we, we, were throw, we would throw like little yeah. small parties, like house parties or like some Westwood UCLA parties mm-hmm. and stuff. Like we would do that. But we weren't on stage. Like we weren't doing like stage yeah. shows until like years later. Um, we were just trying to like see what's up, like what like what the vibe was. And it was like this energy that was happening, like this underground energy in LA that was like, yo, this is like this is a movement right now. Denmark was had their uh, their parties out back then. Denmark was around a lot. Right. Um, a couple other you know underground rave scenes were popping off in different areas. So you just show up, you know, meet the local DJs, hang out, and it was just very close knit and LA based. Right. Right. You know what's crazy is that you guys are the third person that has a background in starting with doing like promotion like events type shit, mm. and then going into it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's weird. That I hear the same thing. I mean, do you guys think that that helped? It did. it did. I mean, you don't know you don't know what you're doing, but like, I mean, we tried to throw like a club night in Beverly Hills, which doesn't happen at all. <laughs> like, drive too. Did it work? Fly. No, it did not. It failed we were standing miserably. Flyers, like, hey, please come in here. Nobody wants to go to Rodale Drive yeah. to go party at like late at night or anything. Like, no, everyone's in Hollywood or downtown or something yeah, like yeah. that. So like. I don't know, like, it, it gets your feet wet, and you learn, like, okay, you learn the ropes, like, okay, this is how things work, um, but it was always the music for us, like, mm-hmm. we were just doing that just to sort of, like, get involved, but, like, it was always, for, for us, it was, like, the passion behind the music is what, like, drove us to every every single move, you mm-hmm. know? Wait, so then you got, you started getting into production at that point? We were already we were, in we were production, already, we just wasn't, we didn't know, like, we were already doing, like, hip-hop and pop and yeah I've been, i was producing hip-hop on the side just with local artists and mm-hmm. things of that nature and brandon was getting involved in production himself but we wanted to figure out what this dance thing was yeah how do we make crack the code dance music? <laughs> so we just started off with you know what was what was relevant at the time was electro so we started doing our own versions as with data remixing older 2000 hip-hop songs did, yeah did young money come out that, at that time? yeah we did like a young money remix Damn, this is old. Damn, we <laughs> going back. Amanda Blank. Yeah, um, we did a bunch of like random like Usher, this is during the Blockhouse era. Yeah. We did a bunch of stuff like that, um, you know, and it was cool. Uh, but we didn't even like we had limited resources back then. Even like with VSTs, like they weren't up to par like they are now. Like VSTs were like rare. There was only a handful of them. Yeah, I still remember when Serum came out. It was such a game changer. Yeah, it was just so yeah. much like oh, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's completely different now. Like back then, you know, if you had like more analog gear, then you were still you were in the game. Mm-hmm. But if you, you know, didn't have any of that, like if you're trying to get your feet wet with like a lot of like soft sense stuff, like there wasn't a lot out there. And even what was out there, half of it just didn't sound good. Like it was like very, we, very rough. Yeah, very, very rough. And the analog gear itself was expensive. Yeah, it was yeah. super expensive. You know, I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. I think that's what the interesting thing we're seeing now is you got to think everybody, like processing power keeps getting better and better. And that's why we were seeing crazy what Simax's growth is at. Like everybody has a computer mm-hmm. and getting, you know what I'm saying, getting Ables and FL is not that hard. Mm-hmm. So now it's just this weird boom of like, okay, you can just YouTube to learn everything. Everybody's computers are good enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like crazy how many people are getting into it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to have the, you know, the willpower to do it and, and stick it out and, like, be creative and try to do something different. Yeah. At, at, at what point did you guys start getting some real traction, you know what I'm saying, where you felt like it was, it went from being, like, releasing stuff to, like, oh, shit, this is actually, like, you know what I'm saying, picking up speed. 
It either had to be the Usher Usher remix we did or the Tori Tori Ma. I, I feel like I love Tori Ma. Yeah, we did. So many details is yeah, one of my favorite bro. songs of yeah, all yeah. time, dude. So good. Yeah, like he's like, he's like. Is a he still dropping? I haven't even listened to. He has a new album out. Yeah, just released. A new it's album. fire too. Yeah, I think yeah, Rose Quartz was like I was listening yeah. to that shit like way back. Dude, I went to some of his shows, man. It's so good. Like, dude, yeah, I love yeah. his sick, shit, dude. man. He's That's sick. fucking awesome. You guys brought. I I listen to nothing but like chill shit. You know. what I'm saying? Yeah. He actually just did a show the other day with Chromia. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was a Hollywood Bowl or something. Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. He's, I've seen him live like three times, I think, like three or four times. He is a real musician. He's like really legit. Like he's a great performer. But yeah, we did a remix. Like I think we did Still Sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We did that remix. Um, and it was pretty cool. Like, you know, it was on some chill shit, but like it, it had some pretty decent traction. So we kind of saw like, okay, we're building here. Then maybe like fast forward to a year later, um, we started like building our team around it, um, around a couple other releases. And then really the, the one song that like really popped for us was All I Really Need with Kenzie May. Like that was like the song that like really, really like pushed us over the edge. Well, was this independent at the time or were you No, guys- we re-released that with uh, Castle's label Symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of just ran with that there. We had a little bit of like, I guess a little bit of momentum going into it. We did like remix for Odessa and uh, we had a, a few other releases out, but it was like that song was like the first original that like really, really like solidified like a big, you know. Yeah, that, that led us, us into signing with Ausla and meeting Sonny and things like that. Yeah. It opened yeah. up a lot of doors for I mean, us. you don't talk about that because I think that a lot of like a lot of producers, that's pretty much their dream to go meet up with uh, Skrillex, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And getting connected into Ausla. You want know, like talk about how that came about and how that affected your careers a bit? Yeah. I mean, uh, first time we met Sonny face-to-face was at Sound Nightclub. We were doing a showcase for the EP. Symbols was hosting the night. And uh, the song, all, all I really needed had already been on the hype charts and everything. So we had a little bit of buzz. We were playing a show with Sweater Beats and a couple other DJs. And, you know, in walks this. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan. Shout out, shout shout out, out to Symbols and everybody. In walks Sonny through the entrance. And he's walking up. Uh, he had previously met my boy, Nick, back mm-hmm. in the day. So Nick was like, yo, Sonny's here. I was like, oh, okay, that's tight. <laughs> and we in here DJing. And he walks up after we get done. He walks up behind me behind the booth. He's like, "Yo, I've, I've heard you guys' music. Like, I love your song. All I really need. This is amazing. We need to link up." Just gave me his number right then and there. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, we just kind of started building a relationship and talking. And no, it was just like you know, he was building building everything up for us. So. Yeah. So he he was just like, "Yo, you know, I fucks with this whole like what you guys are doing." So our music, like. I guess he really liked, and then we like became friends. Just yeah, he's a very personable dude. Like he's he's kind of hard. He's nice. If he sees something that he likes, he'll he'll be involved right. as much as he can to mm-hmm. help nurture it and like build it up. And yeah, we just end up going on tour with him. Like he's like, "What are you guys doing for touring?" And at the time, real shit. Like at the time, we we just still had like day jobs. Yeah. Like and we were like, "We're not doing anything. We're about to, we're about to go back and work on Monday." Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, but um, you know, uh, he took us out on his fall tour. Um, and it was just like one of the best like experiences and, you know, eye opening and all that, like change our lives. And, you know, after that, we just kept rolling with it, you know? Oh, that's crazy. What's like, uh, so we asked every guest this, what's like the craziest tour story yet? It could be like some wild shit, you know what I'm saying? Or it could, some shit where you're like, damn, I tell that story all the time. <laughs> Probably the, that first tour. Uh-huh. 
Um, so that first tour, we end up uh, we end up going to Tampa. Tampa Bay, uh, Hulk Hogan's yeah. Beach, I think it's... I Hogan's like Beach, Hogan's yeah, Beach. Hogan's Beach in Tampa or something. Went out there, great show, it was us, uh, GTA, Chami, uh, and then uh, Snake came through, just like show support or whatever, he came through. So then everyone's turning up and stuff, and the host there, the people that like like promoted it and everything, they're like, yo, we just really want to show you guys like what Tampa's all about, and like you know, take you around. So we end up going to, randomly, we end up going to a strip club. (laughs) (laughs) We end up going to a strip club. But it's funny, though, because we're not in our element. Sonny's not in his element. (laughs) (laughs) We're not, like, we're not really strip club type dudes. So, like, we're just kind of like, all right, well, I guess that's what we're doing. (laughs) See what's what's popping. Yeah, but I think, like, what was weird about it was, like, Sonny, we got in, Sonny like pulled us to the side and like we just had like this real like one on one like on some real like artistry conversation like the in the middle club? of the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> Women everywhere, like and Sonny like none everything is like over there. We're here having this serious this artist so to artist conversation. Tits everywhere. Yeah. All right, what are we doing? Like, you know, like this is what we want to do. This is our goals. These are our ambitions. This is everything. Like we're having this deep freaking conversation conversation with like. And Snake comes in and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's like giving us like, all right, all right, let's 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 get it, you know. And I'm like, this is really weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's tight at the same time. I was like, oh, because it's 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 one of the first. I think of one of our first tours. That was all. our first yeah. like real I mean, tour. That's a that's a pretty big like. Okay, no tours work until like that's your first tour. You right. Know what I'm right. That's fucking yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that was probably like one of the weirdest. It was cool. It was dope. Yeah, it was dope as hell. It was random. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> do you ever do you ever still think sometimes like think about your old like crappy jobs and shit? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's looking back, it's kind of strange, right? Like it's yeah. like for for me, I was a sign holder. I was doing like, oh, oh spinning wait, the yeah, I was spinning the signs, <laughs> like doing that goofy shit. Drew like cleaned bathrooms and shit. You know, so yeah. it's just kind of funny. Like I was like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? I mean. I've had like pretty much every job. I feel like like I I used to do like fast food. Then we both actually low key we both used to work at Hollywood Video before they closed down. Yeah, I worked at Hollywood Video. I actually went to Circuit City because Hollywood Video closed down. So That's when crazy. I first got to LA yeah. back in 2007 2008, I had to look for a job. My music wasn't anywhere popping at all. I hadn't met Brandon yet. And I was like, all right, well, I gotta get a job. So I went to Hollywood Video in Baldwin Park. Transferred over to North Hollywood. Next thing I know, they're hitting us up. Like, Netflix is taking over the game. Like, <laughs> Hollywood video's done. Shut that down. I was like, ah, shit. Okay, well, what else am I going to do? I guess I'll just go back to Circuit City. Yeah. The best decently sized job I had was AAA in Florida. I worked as a uh, telemarketer kind of membership yeah. guy. And I was, you Dude, know, that shit, my that shit will teach you together. some stuff, man. Oh, yeah. I did door-to-door sales where I was selling newspapers, and now yeah. that's been one of the most important things I have ever learned in my life. Because oh, I yeah. can, like, sell shit and talk to people. And, like, right, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. It builds character, too. Like, when you when you do those type of jobs, like that's why I don't like shit on those jobs. Like, you know, everyone has to go through like mm-hmm. different hardships and they gotta like crawl through different spaces and all that. Like I respect the hustle. Like if you gotta do this to get to the next level and then but you're you know, in the back of your mind you got like I got a plan, you know, I'm gonna like level up on this, like you're doing you're doing it right. Yeah. Like if like that's there's nothing wrong with it. It but, used to be insurance. Yeah, and then I used to sell insurance. 
it was funny like see that's the type of shit you get because the reason is you get smacked so hard on like those sales type jobs like yeah. door to door man people slam my face cuss me out right right on the police like oh, <laughs> shit. i'm just like a little kid like like trying to like sell some fucking newspapers right but, i mean dude build some grit you know what I'm yeah saying? at least you're not just sitting around not doing anything like you're you're out there trying to make something happen like i like i respect that like that's where it's at. Do you, what do you guys think about the benefits of L.A.? So, like, coming out here, obviously, it's been easy for us to get gas, get a bunch of people through. Mm-hmm. But, like, do you think that, like, living in L.A. has helped some of this, like, serendipity and stuff versus, like, living elsewhere? It does and it doesn't. I think, like, it does because, just like you said, like, the connections are there. Like, everyone is here. So, it's easier for you to, like, mm-hmm. link with people. But there's, like, other parts of L.A. that could, like, mess with your psyche, mess with, like, your mood and, like, how you are, like... You know, it's expensive to live out here. It's like there's, you know, some people can be snooty. Like there's I mean, different you got, things. You got the Hollywood stigma yeah. with with Los Angeles. I mean, it's the entertainment, right? Like, one of the entertainment capitals in the United States. In I feel like there has to be a lot of ego here. Right, there is. I'm not sure, yeah. but there is. Like, I mean, I'm sure there is in, in most major cities, but like here specifically, there's a certain type of ego that you got to deal with, and you know, you got to, you just got to be prepared for it, yeah. like. Sometimes people move out here a little bit too early and they're not like mentally or emotionally ready for it for it yet. And, you know, maybe their career brought them there or maybe they're just trying to make a career out here. But it's something that you need to like prepare yourself for because you're dealing with people that they all want to succeed. And like, yeah, <laughs> like hungry. you're in a Yeah. Everyone is hungry. Like millions of people just concentrated in one area. Yeah. And it's all hunger and you're kind of you're you're in the jungle. You just you don't want to. <laughs> and that's the good thing on the positive side. If you you're in an area where you can meet people like we had we been in, I don't know, Texas or something. We might not have run into the rave scenes or people like Sonny and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Just being bedroom producers and studio producers, it gives you an opportunity to go out and experience whatever scene is going on. Right. At that particular time. But, you know, there's sometimes there could be an advantage to being not being here, true, you know, true. being, you know, in a small town where you don't have all that noise and you can just concentrate on your craft and you can just like work on art. And, you know, maybe if you want to go like socialize and you can pick and choose when you want to do that mm-hmm. instead of like always being completely surrounded, surrounded by yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it changed, it changed over time. Cause back when we started, you had to go out and meet people. Now you have obviously DM. social media, DMs, yeah. so on and so forth, internet. You know what I mean? It just makes I mean, it easy. Dude, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, dude, you can reach almost anybody. Oh, yeah. Just DMing. Like, you'd be surprised at just right. how effective just sending DMs are. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, over, like, email or everything right now. Yeah. I mean, you don't really need to... I mean, it's not like back in the day where you had to be there. But, like, it helps sometimes. But the internet is just... It's a blessing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, who's the best guy... Uh, like, who is somebody who you guys got in the studio with who's been like, holy shit, this person's good? You know what I'm saying? Like, like skill-wise. Like, who do you think is the most talented? Anderson Pot. Yeah, Anderson came in and just bodied. We work with a lot of writers. <laughs> yeah. Like, we work with a lot of rappers. And as producers, you're, you're, you're producers, like, at the end of the day. But working with an artist that comes in off the cuff, just, like, he came in the studio, great energy, positive vibes, had a whole arsenal of other things going on in his life that we didn't know about that was going to pop off later in the future. Mm-hmm. And he had just heard two records, picked out one. He was like, all right, I got that. Sit down for about 10 minutes, put the pen to the pad. Fast. Really? Get in the booth. This dude was just like, wah, 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 wah. The <laughs> energy, yeah. He, like, All right, we got, we got a banger here. I'm like, yeah. oh, snap, what the fuck just happened? Like, yeah, the, the energy that he has, too, like when he records, it like, it, you it, can feel it, it in a room. Like, you feel can feel it, like, he gets into it. Like, he's, 
when he records vocals, he's dancing along. Yeah, he's in the <laughs> like, booth, like he's performing live. He's yeah, like just, it's just it's real. So I would say like Anderson Pac is probably like one of the like most talented, skillful, you know, people that also Taylor Parks. She's yeah, Taylor Parks. She's yeah. amazing too. Taylor Parks is she's one of the best writers that we've like worked with to date too. Yeah. It's funny because like being a producer, like it's kind of a different ball game than like the songwriting and like lyrics mm-hmm. and all that it shit. Is. Like being producer, I mean, it's not the same as like remixing a track per se, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? As like actually building vocals and stuff. I think right. Like, right. A lot of people underestimate that. I'm like, dude, that shit's tough, man. It is yeah. coming up with like concepts and like, you know, messing around with wordplay. Same thing. Nastasia is really great too. Yeah, Nastasia was amazing. She, she's amazing too. She's really clever with different things. Um, we did the song favor with her and Sunny. Um, and it was just a great process, you know, you know, being in the creative process with people like that. They really like inspire you to go further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you guys got any favorite plugins? Let's see. Off top, some secret go tos. Uh, cable silent. guys stuff. You do like the cable guys volume shit. Yeah, everything that yeah. cable guys comes out with is tight. Very good automation. Salinth obviously has been one of our go tos. Omnisphere, Trillion, um, most of the Arteria V stuff. You know what I mean? I like yeah. the analog gear. It has Ma- old school massive, yeah. Old school massive, yeah. Still use massive, we yeah. low key we used to use Reason, but I forgot how to use it. When we now. started, when we started it, we were using it for a lot of yeah. the electro stuff. But it's, I mean, it's it's complicated. You got to yeah. know your, your plugins. Your Have you guys seen Faceplant? No, no, no. The, no, new, no. the new one that just came out. No, no I haven't oh, seen. No, it. it's super interesting. A lot of people are saying it's like better than Serum. It's like oh really? Stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, thing, uh, thing about Serum is it the quality of sound that comes out of Serum is next level. Only problem is. CPU overload. <laughs> yeah, you got to hit that, uh, I forgot what it's called, level it, level it down. Dude, yeah. and Steve did all that by himself. Like, he's, he, a, he's an enigma. He's a beast, I, yeah. yeah. Steve Duda is like crazy. He's like a robot. Dude, because when I talk to Steve and I just hear him start going off sometimes about like just the different stuff he's doing with Serum. But like the fact that it's weird because I've told him so many times, like, dude, get help, get help to like help you build out the squad. It's just him. It's fucking just coding. He's amazing. And Cold like for one person stuff. to do that, like he essentially is defeating coding teams you know what i'm saying like right. think about how many people like, single-handedly are, yeah single-handedly this dude's just pecking away at his keyboard you know what i'm yeah. saying that's that's amazing yeah Skills, baby. yeah much plus, respect to him yeah plus like when you have a product it's weird also to see something blow up like that and uh without like hardcore marketing you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. usually you gotta hustle on the business side but like yeah. right we were probably doing that for him honestly like we put out so many serum sound banks early on it was fucking i mean it is like probably the most popular right now definitely is. like it's different too i mean it's different in the, yeah. in the sense that it is like steve duda like he has his own imprint on the stuff that he does so. how do you guys look at social like social media and like how it relates to we like it yeah it's it's it's, it's cool it's a necessity yeah it's kind of like yeah it, it's another part of the job <laughs> like, you gotta be you gotta know as an artist especially as a, a dj because you're you're not necessarily singers you're you're a producer mm-hmm. and a dj performer and starting off you got that's one of the bigger assets you got to have is showing you like you were saying earlier yeah. mentioning how producers don't really have a lot of platforms that they can speak out well, to. i think one of the problems is is that they think that like okay so the way you approach a song being super artistic about it very nitpicky with details a lot of times mm-hmm. hurts you on social you know what i'm saying because right. you're doing like two like artsy stuff and a lot of times shit posting a selfie video crushes it you know what i'm saying right mm-hmm. right or like so figuring out that i think a lot of people struggle it's true. It's weird. It's like rap- wrapping your your brain around like, you know, what people will respond to. And again, I guess it's, it, just to tag along to what you're saying, like, 
you know, you think about that, like, I, when you're producing, you're thinking about, like, how is the listener interpreting this? Like, okay, this, this particular sound, like, are, what are they going to think when they hear this, like, the sound in this spot at this time, like, before this and all that? And you kind of have to do the exact same thing, apply the same, like, logic to social media posts, mm -hmm. but it's, like, different. It's not for the listener. It's like for someone scrolling through. Like, <laughs> Well, dude, it's weird because when me and Drew put up production videos, the main thing we're referencing on is your phone. Because mm -hmm. like, we're literally putting out IG shit, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying, mostly. So it's like constantly listening to shit on your phone. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. What's, the, uh, what's the biggest show you guys played? Um, between Red Rocks or Beyond Wonderland? Beyond Wonderland. Yeah, between Beyond Wonderland or Red Rocks. Those are probably the, the two biggest shows that we've had. I don't know. Was it crazy? Yeah, yeah. it was insane. How many, people, how many people are we talking? Over 10K. For Beyond. I think 10, or was it 10K? I don't remember. It was just spitball at 10K at Beyond because we were playing main stage, and that was one of our first main stage-ish performances. Yeah, Beyond, yeah. At Rock, we were uh, touring with Sonny and Chami and uh, Jack Beats. Jack Beats. And Mustard. Mustard. And we were opening up the show, and that was our first time using CDJs. We had previously learned CDJs. Yeah. Like, weeks prior. <laughs> uh -huh. So I was like, shit, my parents. I think we had a week to right. learn CDJs like, before together. we played Red Rocks. Like, one week to get it down. I must have been nerve-wracking leading oh, yeah. up to that. Oh, yeah. It was crazy, too, because it was, like a, it was a, like a three-day run. So the night before, we were in Toronto. We flew from Toronto to Denver and did Red Rocks. It was like, oh, God. Then we had to fly from there to what the fest which is like in portland i think or something like that yeah but um yeah we it was our first run with cdjs in general and we were like just trying to figure everything out but luckily it, it went yeah. great like have you guys <laughs> ever had like disaster like something crazy like yeah, oh, yeah like on man. stage like we're, san diego san diego's san probably diego was, that yeah. was like a what happened? cataclysmic event did you all shut down? It was, it was a long time ago. It was a long time. It was early. All, early most of our failures. Yeah. I mean, we, we everyone still goes through like little failures, but, the but major, like, like the big stuff, stuff. It was in the beginning, like the, the learning curve of like being DJs. We were in San Diego, and this particular like stage, like the uh, power was all routed to like one area, and one, everyone was like turning up, and there was people behind us like turning up. So we're playing, and someone like tripped over a cord and knocked all the power out. Damn. Completely out. Like, CDJs are out, lights went out, everything's done. We get booed. <laughs> like, <laughs> we get booed. <laughs> but it was now uh, you look back and it's like, oh, that's kind of like, it's kind of humbling now to like yeah. look back and get booed after like something like that happened. It was like you, all I could do was laugh. <laughs> pretty much once it happened, it's just like, oh, well, did you just get it back on or no? Yeah, it came yeah, back it came. on, and then you know people kept dancing like after a while. But it was, I was just thinking to myself like, damn, like why are we getting booed though? If I was in that crowd, I wouldn't boo the DJ that the power went out. But <laughs> stop booing us, motherfuckers. We're <laughs> just trying to work, baby. Just trying yeah. To work. yeah, it was funny, but. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a bad show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I seen some. Did you see that one thing with Skrillex when he uh, jumped and hit his head on that thing? No, he didn't. Oh, dude, he had this giant stage thing. And, you know, he gets fucking fired up. You know what I'm saying? He just yeah. jumps and just clotheslined. There's a funny oh, video. Left no, I try to be careful with stuff like that. There's a bunch of videos I've seen me try to like do a jump, 
and it, you can tell that I'm trying to be extra careful with the jump. It's like, it doesn't look natural. It's just like, uh, I don't want to fall. <laughs> I've tripped over a couple speakers. You ever jump in crowds or no? Yeah, we jumped in crowds. Yeah, we jumped down. I'm usually on the railing. Like when we did a, a tour with Zed, the crowd was very responsive. They had no clue who we were and they were hype. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go down here and see what's up. Ran yeah. downstage, got in, people were screaming and yelling. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We did, um, me and Amber, uh, Miha, we did uh, like a little stage dive together. It was fun. I took an L that night. Took a major L. <laughs> we got up on stage to, to, we were shooting a better video, and we're standing on stage, and the crowd's getting hyped, and Amber and Brandon on the side, on the left, just like, all right, y'all, they're looking at each other like, you ready? Like, and looking at me, I was like, yeah, I'm ready. But I'm over about five feet. Everybody's looking at them, pointing in their direction, like, okay, we're going to catch you. I, they jump first, and then I jump about 10 seconds afterwards, and, and nobody <laughs> right on right on the rail and i'm just stuck there and i'm like oh snap and i've noticed that everybody's looking at them and i was like okay where do i go i don't know what to do i'm like halfway between the crowd and halfway between the rounds so i just jump in the crowd and i just scurry through the side part <laughs> run back around the stage just, and then somebody took a photo somebody watched that whole thing go down somebody took a photo like it was a professional photo too and like sent it it was like yo we like <laughs> so, posted it like so your boy, dog. Like we were asking people to caption this, like we're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, that was my that was my first uh, stage diving there. We'll I'll have to do my uh, my training on that later. Yeah, that was funny. Dude, that it was, was fun though. No, that's fucking hilarious, man. I'd, I'd be scared to jump in the crowd, man. Just like as long as they're as long as you let them know you're doing it, you should be good. You don't weigh like three hundred pounds, but just let the crowd know. Like I'm about to I'm about to throw I, my yeah. Body at I think yeah, place. you give them a little. They they know, but um. Going to a bunch of punk shows back in the day kind of like inspires all that. Yeah, 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 that definitely helped out a lot. Going to like back in the day, I used to go to like random emo shows and stuff. So <laughs> get used to the mosh pits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not too crazy. That was tight. No, I mean that's 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 pretty crazy stuff for sure. Um, do you ever feel like uh, you get overwhelmed by the tour life, like just going out doing all this shit? Because I mean, do some people, man, they even get like sick and can't even get over it because they're flying around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Usually after a tour run, I get a little sick. I get a little under the weather. You definitely got to have your, your mental and physical health in a, in a good place. You know, and, and it seems like most of, most of the DJs that are out right now are doing fairly well with that. I mean, like, they enjoy what they do. And if you're having fun doing it, you can definitely get there. But there is a time where you got to take a break yeah. for a second. Even if you got to step back in from a hotel or whatever. Honestly, too, you got to stay grounded. Like, yeah. even, like, right now with us, like, it's kind of like you got to know like why you're doing this and you know sometimes if you need to take like a step back and, and you know talk to your fam and like get back and mm-hmm. you know get back with loved ones and all that and like that can like refuel, refuel you to like where you need to be and you can get back and crush it again but mm-hmm. if you kind of like get lost and forget what is this all about why are you doing this what's important to you mm-hmm. like that could really drain you like pretty pretty hard so i think i think there's a lot of cases of people getting lost in that lifestyle yeah you know it's easy it yeah, especially drinking like just right. drinking alone you know what i'm saying like i can't imagine like getting hammered every other night and yeah, trying I mean, to stay productive it's, it's a natural occurrence over time if you're just used to doing it i mean you're dj one show one night you're dj another show one night and you're, you're having your drinks and whatever as long as you're not getting smash mash but it's a part of the lifestyle so you just got to know your limitations right every person is different they know what they can take see and that's the thing there, there's a little you know, there's that caveat. There's this like weird space where, you know, most of us are young. So you haven't really, a lot of us haven't really figured out who we are yet before we've blown up all mm-hmm. or we're touring and we're around all this crazy stuff. And it's like, it's better to actually like 
know who you are and, you know, have a good head on your shoulder before you get out and do all that stuff. Like, you know. Get out of your system. Yeah. 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 So what do you guys think about 2019 newer producers? Let's say some kid is like a beast, right? Got a bunch mm-hmm. of great songs in. Uh, what do you think producers need to do today to like make it? Because we got a lot of those guys in our like in our audience who have killer tracks just sitting on their desktop, mm-hmm. like just all over the place, and they're just kind of afraid to release it. Don't know what the fuck to do. Like, what advice would you have for a new producer trying to? Let's get it out. Yeah, definitely get it out. You're never gonna know until you try something. Even if it fails, you gotta. If you want to win, you're gonna have to get used to failing. But Get it out, whether you think it sucks or not. Don't try to be too much of a perfectionist. Yeah. This is going to take more time. You're going to keep making edits, keep revising until you finally get enough balls to put it yeah. out. But I think that's one of the first steps is getting your music out. Just Yeah, just getting it out. Make the right connections, you know, talk to people, make friends. You know, I think, like, there's a social aspect that's, like, not even on, like, social media, on, on, on some real stuff that you can, like, connect with people and and learn from them and yeah. you know just doing that and releasing music consistently releasing music you'll grow and it, it'll it'll come like it took us so long to get like to this level like it took us a while and we're still like we look back like wow like we know exactly like how far it's been you know yeah but um it's crazy um you know, as, as long as you, like, stay consistent and, and keep at it and don't let, you know, all the outside stuff, like, ruin it, then you'll be fine. Like, eventually things will, you know, things will happen. Do you think there's something, like, what's one thing that you guys are doing for your career that's absolutely, like, you guys, like, man, this thing's, like, really good. Like, all producers should do this, but you don't see enough producers doing. Is there something like that out there that's, like, a strategy that's crushing it for you guys? It's, it's a tough question. I think, like, yeah, I think, like... Making music from the heart, yeah. like, like you gotta like. Sometimes you need to step away from looking at what's happening in the scene. You need to actually like make something that you feel like internally, like you have your emotions and you know whatever mood or or pain or love or inspiration that you're feeling right now. Make a, a song from that. If you do that, it'll be true and it'll come out and people will recognize it. Like most people can tell when, like a true music lover can tell when an artist has put like the time and the energy and their emotions, and their heart into a record mm-hmm. versus, oh, someone that just like cranked something out like really fast because it's popping right now. Yeah, you look like, at the top five deep board and you're like, yo, what, I'm gonna make baby baby. And that, that could work for some people starting off if you're a brand new producer. Mm-hmm. and you're trying to get your feet wet and you don't have any skill in production, you can model your song after other people and kind of develop your sound that way. But There's a brick wall coming yeah, soon. Like, it's it's going to hit that ceiling. Yeah. You have to try to be yourself as much as you right, can. Right, right. So why do you think so many artists get to a certain point where they start getting success doing some like unique shit and then all of a sudden like you start hearing pop records coming out? You know what I'm talking about? Where the, the thing happens to where they get to a certain level and it starts to kind of come out more poppy. And it feels like you lost that original artist. You know what I'm saying? Do you think they're pressured by like hitting the masses and stuff? I think yeah. I, you know, I mean, it could be. Each, I mean, each person's different too. Every artist is different. Right. Some have different ambitions. Some guys may have started doing a unique style and was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to get this Grammy over here. I want to work with bigger artists to further my growth as a producer. Mm-hmm. Some guys just you know want to sell records. There's some of them probably already love pop. Yeah. And they just and then they just they, so they having to start doing like to, yeah to meet up and they're like oh I already like pop I just ended up like exper- experimenting with this other like subgenre over here 
but now that I've like grown here, I get to do what I wanted to do yeah. before. So I don't necessarily look at a look at it as a, a bad thing. Um, I think whatever you're doing, if you're doing it not for your own like reasons, then it could be bad for you. But um, I don't think every artist like has to stay like esoteric to like mm -hmm. be a great artist. Like some artists are really really good at making like dope pop music. And some of them aren't, and some of them are really, really good at making underground stuff, and they should just stick to doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yeah. dude, some of my favorite artists are like kind of smaller guys who are just underground. Right. You guys uh, heard of Slow Magic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, he's it's... coming over in a little bit. I'm like, oh, tight. I'm like, bro, bring that mask. Because <laughs> I'm like, dude, you should be it's way tight. bigger on Instagram. I'm yeah. like, because I used to fucking look up to him and, and check out his music all the time. And I'm like, dude, that mask thing is dope. But like, you know what I'm saying? He's just making interesting shit, you know? He, so, yeah. yeah. I listen to stuff all the time. He's dope. Yeah. Are you guys into mostly chill artists and stuff? I mean, Tori Ma, fucking Odessa. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a mix of everything. We listen to a lot of different styles of music, but electronic-wise, it leans more towards that hip-hop, you know, whatever mix of hip-hop, electronic that is, yeah. experimental. It's, it's been you guys, different. You like guys like uh, Nujabes? Or Nujibis? You guys I ever heard of him? I can't say his name, but I've, 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 I've heard of him, but I don't know how to say it either. I don't want to You guys watch anime ever? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. This he Samurai, Samurai Champlo, the guy who did the whole yeah, soundtrack yeah, for yeah, Samurai yeah, Champlo. He's got some fire shit. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Adult Swimmy. Yeah. yeah, I used to listen to uh, dude Shlomo a lot back in the day. Oh, I, I listen to Shlomo. Yeah, I still listen to Shlomo. Yeah, yeah. Literally, like Bad Vibes is like one dude, of the best thank albums. You. <laughs> Bad Vibes is amazing, dude. Bad I, Vibes. I wish he did, dude. It's almost like that whole Lo-Fi push. He was on that shit, like except doing nothing but original, like you know yeah. what I'm saying. Forever ago. Bad Vibes dude. is so dope. He has a he 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 has his other record that. I don't know if he it's new, but I just found out and I was just like, yo, this is him. It's like on some it's on some UK, like UK vibe, like and I was like, dude, like he's so sick. Dude, have you heard later? Later. No. Dude, that one track it has like the R and B vocal, but it's distorted as fuck. It's dope. I yeah, bet you it's dude. Dope. It's as vibey as I mean, dude, me and Drew used to smoke and fucking just chill out, listen to Shlomo like all the time. Shlomo's the tight. He, dude, one of the one best shows we ever been to was like uh it was Shlomo, but it was like I swear, man, maybe 50 people at this, like, very underground venue, but, dude, it was fucking awesome. He, yeah, he has that, like, small vibe thing, but the thing about it is he's, like, one of those, like, L.A. Uh, Beatsmith pioneers, like, those dudes that came out of the L.A. beat scene, mm -hmm. like, 2011, 2012, like, Fly Low, Shlomo, Shlomo Bats. XX, XX was kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else was out there? Dude, I, I grew up. I, that's when I was like really like putting out a lot of music, and me and Drew were like working on shit. Was like during that era. So we we looked at all those guys like Giraffage, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Who were putting out shit. It was pretty interesting. It was dope. It was a good time. Yeah, that was the earlier cusps of I feel like where Future Base was, at least for us in LA. That's when it was. That's where yeah we kind of came. I feel like that's that was during our change. Like when we first started out, we were doing like this, like we were more inspired by like the whole Justice Mastercraft like. Mm -hmm era bloody <laughs> yeah that that whole era but i think like around that time like 2012 we started going back to like experimental hip-hop beats you know chill wave um just different things like that and that's what like kind of like inspired us to like go with a different sound and, and do something a little bit more different mm -hmm. and, and toro was another you know, just to bring him back, he was like a huge inspiration for that too. Um, just there was a bunch of like electronic musicians that weren't necessarily 
huge EDM artists, <clears throat> but they were still in their right electronic musicians that were doing really creative stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just like more chill, down tempo like, and all that. I feel like Odessa has carved this weird cult following in this like mm -hmm. space that like, it's weird <clears throat> how more people aren't chasing that sound. I think they have a tough job achieving something similar to it. Like they would mm -hmm. chase like a certain EDM thing, like a big room or something. Mm -hmm. But like, dude, Odessa, man, they're fucking, girls love Odessa. Like mm -hmm. I go to Odessa show, it's crazy. There's so many diehard fans, you know what I'm saying? They make great music. Yeah, they, have, they have great sounds. Very unique. It's it's pop centric without being like you know still being cool. Right? You yeah, know what exactly. Like yeah. It's like a niche niche thing. And it, it's it's like feel good music. Exactly. It's it, on it, it like blah, blah. it has like a really good. It makes you feel really good. So any sort of feeling like that, like it's, it's yeah. gonna work. It's, it's better. Yeah. So, so what are you guys trying to do in the next like five years of your project? Like, where's the the direction for it? The goals. First thing is getting this album done. We're, we're yeah. at the finish line of our albums, about 13 songs. So we're wrapping that up, finding a home for it, and you know, kind of creating this this decently new sound that we're we're building right. upon. You know, change up change up a couple of things here and there. Yeah, taking our performances to a next level. Yeah. Um, adding a few things uh, to the stage. Uh, yeah. Just I don't growing, know. Growing as artists. We've been in the game for, for a hot second, but um, yeah, we really want to, you know, we're, we're diving more deep within ourselves to kind of get more of our, you know, personalities out, right. more of the uh, the emotions that we're going through. Yeah. You know, flipping uh, the script a little bit. Yeah, no, that's what's up. Yeah. Um, cool. So I think we'll end it with a question. We usually do a giveaway where people comment their favorite thing, but I guess the last question uh, that's kind of an interesting one is, let's pretend you guys are in another universe, exactly like Earth, right? And you only had, let's say, five hundred dollars and a laptop that you can make your music on. What's like your next thirty days look like if you're trying to make it? Let's say you got like you got living covered. You know what I'm saying? You, you got, got five hundred bucks and you got your laptop. You know what I'm saying with FL, you know, Logic, Ableton. And what would we do? Like you got five songs. You got five bangers. What's your next move? You got five bangers, five hundred dollars on a laptop, and I'm on a deserted island. No, no, you. Oh, I'm down the street. Yeah, okay, I'm down the street. Yeah, you're here. Just nobody knows you though. Like all the brands gone. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of producers are in this situation. Yeah, I feel you see that. what I'm saying? I feel okay, that. okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, you try to get the best marketing you can. You know, if you can promote your record the, the proper way and get your name out there, obviously you want to get your trademarks together. You want to make sure your mastering is on point with your songs. But from that point on, you want to reach people. So, what is your best asset with $500 to. Wait, so the songs are already done. Songs are done. Songs are done. <laughs> they're songs bangers. Are done. They're so bangers. They're, they're good. good. So, yeah. what do you do? How do you get your songs out there with five? Yeah, how would you get started? You know, what's your plan? Because a lot of people have those five songs. They got a little bit of money. I'm not saying the money's vital in this mm -hmm. scenario, but I think a lot of people have great music on their. Mm. Not everybody, but a lot of people have great music they're saving, and they literally don't even know how to take step one. Well, first, I would say I would need to figure out what type of music you're making. Yeah. I think what type of music you're making is going to determine how you're going to spend like that $500. Like, because when I look at like different platforms, different platforms appeal to different types of like users, like mm -hmm. different types of audience, a different type of audience. So if, if they're like, if you're making bangers and you know, you're going to like push this mostly on SoundCloud, mm -hmm. then obviously we need to like put some money behind like SoundCloud marketing. Um, but get if your brand, you got your branding, down get your brand. Yeah. Too. I ho hopefully the yeah. branding part is already done and all that. Like that's a big factor coming yeah. out. I mean, building your carving your own lane music wise is amazing, but if nobody knows who you are and you got bangers and they can't live in your world, it's going to be tough for anybody to, to, you know, connect with you as a fan. Yeah. I would just, you know, if I can make like, if you have a homie that can make, uh, 
like a video with you. Like if you yeah, can make more artwork. Yeah, if you can if you can make some like just more content. Just more con yeah, if you can make some some little assets for social media for the five songs that you got. You spend a hundred dollars per <laughs> per song. That's not, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> hundred dollars per song. You grab your homie who has a dope camera and he can like you know, chop some stuff for you and you guys like work on like the creative like assets for the different things and then you spend a little bit of money on uh on some ads or mm -hmm. if you like yeah, you know, Instagram ads. You guys ever Facebook. play with Facebook Instagram ads? Yeah, we mm -hmm. do a little bit. When we're doing like uh tour stuff, like Dude, I got I gotta show you guys some sauce because I mean we grew our whole company starting with five dollars a day. Like mm. just putting five dollars in, getting it back out and learning that whole technical game. But the fact that you can target anybody's audiences, you know what yeah, I'm saying? And yeah. if you know how to go after it, it's like hunting grounds. Mm -hmm. We've spent over 900K on Facebook at this point, and it's fucking beast. Like the fact that I can target uh, a 19-year-old kid who lives in Idaho who's fans of Skrillex and also uses Ableton, mm -hmm. I can tell that kid very, something very specific that mm -hmm. he's going to vibe with, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But we've been doing swipe up, uh, swipe up ads with uh, giveaways, and dude, Instagram's been popping. Mm. Yeah, we grew yeah. almost 200k in like six months or something. Like wow! That. Just Dang. started it. Yeah. So we need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. it was Gary V. You guys know Gary V? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. so we paid for the 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 4D's consulting program. It's an all day consulting thing with her company. And dude, the shit. Like at first, I thought he was motivational. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Just based mm -hmm. on his content. But dude, you go and you learn from them. And I got to meet her by his team. We had a 90 minute session with Gary. It's on fucking YouTube. And uh, dude, they are so tactical. Okay, so they do this thing called the uh, the pillar the pillar content model, right? It's the idea that you shoot pillar content pieces, which this is a pillar content piece. It's like long segments, right? Gotcha. Out of this long segments, like as you guys are talking, I'm already like, ooh, I'm like, that's a fire piece for Instagram. That's a fire of 60 seconds. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so the main piece might, like this, this you know, main piece might get 40, 50, 60K plays, mm -hmm. but then each little one gets an extra 75K on Instagram. 75, mm -hmm. 100, 80, 30, you know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, all of those combined, like you essentially get like hundreds of pieces through one hour of work. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's it's tactical as hell. Yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy, dude. That's yeah, yeah. That's smart. Yeah. That was my that was my pitch to be manager. That's my cinematic <laughs> <laughs> sign signing the first first artist. Yeah. Well, so the experience I'm sure was great with Gary though, because he's like a dude, like he's dope. life changing man. Crazy. Well, instead of like selling shit, we used to try to sell a lot of stuff. Now we just right. do branding. So like all our investments and stuff is more like brand, which is more like relationship with audience. Mm -hmm. So like um, before, I may be trying to figure out the next sample pack, but instead of that, now I'm like, okay, let's do this free thing for everybody to consume, yeah, yeah, free value. Yeah. I'll see mm -hmm. Doing more relationship type stuff. So like I'm never afraid to trade. Like for example, we have an email list of over 800k people. We got you know some pretty big socials. I'm like, dude, I'd like to give people traffic and like slam people, you know what I'm saying? But some people are weird about like posting about somebody, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'll fucking, I don't care at all, you know what I'm saying? You're as good as your network around you, too. You can bounce ideas and, and co collaborate with people. You're just spreading your name out through their, yeah. their people, their fans, whatever, whatever so be. And, so, and, and I, I want to use some of these as like case studies, you know? So like I'm taking some of the guests, like I'll take you guys, I'll take your Instagram, screenshot the followers, mm -hmm. and then I'll fucking, I'll start to do all our shit like slamming, like boom, 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 boom. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, here's what happened. Because eventually we might be able to do brand deals with like bigger people and stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That'd be sick. And just have a sick product that's like, hey, we have like 30 things we could do for an artist. Right. And just and when we have a big enough platform, then it becomes an, an interesting thing, you know. I don't know, some yeah. interesting stuff. That's dope. Cool. So uh yeah, last thing, I guess we'll just do a quick giveaway. Um, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, so all you gotta do is drop a comment of your favorite point in this talk. And timestamps definitely help. Uh, by this point, you guys know that. And those are the little things, by the way. We we cut back what the community says is our favorite parts. 
we then grab those for the socials. So, so they do the hard work for us. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's an easy way to use it. But anyways, hey, thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. Boom. Appreciate it. How long was that, Alex?